the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. I'd like to welcome, of course, uh, our listeners from Let Us Reason with me here in studio right now, our dear brother Anthony Rogers, whom I had the privilege of knowing for many years, but uh, this is the first time we've met face-to-face to do things together. Uh, I've met him before, of course, but this is the first time we're sitting here in studio to do things together. We've done a series on the Trinity from the Old Testament. Anthony, I'd like to welcome you, of course, brother, and I want you now to spend the uh, next 24-plus minutes to share your journey to Christ. Okay. Yes, thank you. It's great to be with you, by the way. Uh, strange saying it's great to be with you again, as if that's the first time I'm saying it. As you said, we've, Not at all. We've, Not at all. we've been here doing many videos uh, all day long. Uh, and periodically we'll interact with people because we're live on Facebook, by the way. Okay. Um, so, yeah, my, uh, my journey begins. I was born in Southern California. I came uh, from a line of Sicilians. And so I, I have a, a family with a rich history of, of Sicilian culture and so forth and uh, grew up loving all things Italian, the food, uh, mm-hmm. the attitude, <laughs> uh, just everything that goes with that. And uh, that also meant that my family had a Roman Catholic background. But uh, as I was growing up, my mom realized somewhere along the line, she used to be really involved with the nuns where we lived. And she was at one point, after many, many years of working with the nuns, she was asked to lead a a woman's Bible study. And that bothered her because she realized all those years of being a Roman Catholic, she didn't know the Bible. (laughs) And so she actually left the, the Catholic Church. However, after that, her, you know, she didn't necessarily... Uh, start going faithfully to Protestant churches, evangelical churches where the Bible was central and the gospel was affirmed and all of that. And so my upbringing wasn't very Christian. You know, there wasn't a lot of Christianity in the home. I didn't have a firm foundation as far as any of that goes. But the one thing my mom did do that uh, had a, a significant impact on me that I wouldn't realize until later is she taught me how to read using the Bible. Amen. So she she took the Bible and had me read it, and that and that's how I learned. Well, so uh, moving along in California, gangs became uh, a you know there there was an influx of gangs into our area. Uh, it was really becoming a, a significant factor in our environment, and so I had an older brother. He was he's three years older than I am. And he was already getting involved in gangs, and I always wanted to hang out with him. So that meant that I was around this stuff before I was even old enough to do some of it. And uh, 
you know, through that, I, I became more and more basically a criminal. You know, uh, in California, a lot of it was uh, consisted of gang fights uh, and, you know, things of that nature. But it eventually became even worse. I started engaging in, in more and more criminal type activity, so much so that my parents wanted to leave California and move to Nevada, which we did. Uh, their their assumption was that I was getting in trouble just because there's a lot of gangs around. If if I'm taken out of that environment, then I, I won't choose that sort of thing. But what they don't realize is that it's sin is bound up in the heart of man, right? That's right. Where in Nevada, by the way? Las Vegas. So uh, is this, it called Sin City? <laughs> yeah. Not, not the greatest choice. Nevada at the time, Las Vegas... Had a lot of crime, but it, it didn't necessarily have a lot of gangs. It had so gangs. So their concern was the gangs, you know, yeah. basically, and that's what they were worried about. There were gangs, but a person could could avoid that if they wanted to in, in Nevada. You couldn't really avoid it in California. I mean, a person doesn't have to be a gang member, even in California at that time. Uh, they still have a choice, but there's it's just in your face a lot more. And a lot of people will succumb to that. They'll say, might as well go with the flow, you know. Well, so it didn't take me too long to start hanging around gang members in in Las Vegas. But at this point, I'm moving from 17 to 18. I'm completing high school, still in high school technically, and I got in trouble for stealing a car that happened to belong to the chief of police. Wow. I didn't know it was the That's chief. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't know it at the time. It wasn't intentional. I mean, the, stealing the car was intentional. I didn't know it was his car. And just to give some indication of how important this guy was in Las Vegas. Uh, his brother uh, or one of his family members was a senator. Their whole family was connected. They were very important people. So you even had streets named after them. You had parks named after them in Las Vegas. It's, they're still named after them. And now they have day. a prison named after them for in your uh, honor? Uh, no. no. <laughs> but, but what's interesting is I got in trouble for that initially, but then I was released. They actually dropped the charge for various oh, reasons. Praise the Lord. Praise yeah, the Lord. I, won't, I won't get into all that, but they did drop the charge, but that didn't that just sort of emboldened me even more. I always thought I was unstoppable. So I went out and continued doing criminal activity. Got in trouble again, but this time didn't get out of it. So I was sentenced to prison. And I went to prison, and what happened? This is actually kind of remarkable. Uh a lot of people just sort of marvel when I tell them this. I get put in a a cell in the jail with a guy who's a self-professed devil worshiper. The guy was really nice. Self-professed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he said he was a devil worshiper, and I didn't know if he was just trying to sound scary. I don't know. You know, you're in prison or jail. This was jail. And, and maybe he wants to sound tougher than he is. I don't know. Uh, but he told me he's a devil worshiper. And he used to think it was really funny because I, you know, even though I wasn't a Christian, I said I'm not interested in any of that sort of thing. That to me was always just wrong, right? I mean, here I am, a gangster, a thief, all this yeah. stuff, but I'm thinking that's that's too much right there. And I would wake up, and on the bottom of he, – he let me have the bo- bottom bunk, which is unusual too, but it was – the bottom was made of wood, and then it would have a, a mattress on top of it. But on the top of mine, he drew a pentagram, you know, so I'd wake up and see this pentagram. Well, we would have these discussions, and he said – he would tell me this stuff about the Bible. He'd say, the Bible says this, the Bible said that, and I'd say, I don't think it says that. And so he said, well, I'm going to tell you how to get a Bible because I'm going to show you all this stuff. And so it was negative stuff. And so he puts in a kite, they call them, which is a written request, 
for a Bible. And a, a nice lady, I still remember her name, Bonnie Polly. She's probably not alive today. She was very old back then. She was supplying Bibles to inmates. And so he got me a Bible. And as we're reading the Bible, he couldn't find the stuff that he was telling me was in there. <laughs> but now, here I am. I'm an I'm a inmate, and I've got a lot of time, right? I'm in jail. I'm not going anywhere. And I've got a Bible. So I decided, just as a matter of entertainment, I was going to read the Bible. It was at least something to do. But what happened was, as I'm reading the Bible, I'm reading stories about a holy God. I'm not reading them. I mean, my initial thought was just to read it for entertainment, but I'm reading this, hearing about a holy God. I read about a God who completely destroys the world, leaving only eight souls, right, because man is sinful before him. Didn't sound like somebody I wanted to die and meet. Right, And then I, I get a little bit further in the story. I see God pouring out fire on cities like Sodom and Gomorrah. This doesn't mean it's happening all the time everywhere, but we have these instances of, of God showing his, what he thinks of sin. It's almost like he's running out of patience. You know, He's waiting, yeah. waiting, waiting, and there, there come a time when he's going to have to react. Right. And so that sort of stuff started bothering me. And I would try to go to sleep so I wouldn't think about it. I completely forgot that I'm in here with a bunch of murderers and other things. You know, at least on the streets, if you're, if you're a gang member, you can, you can play gang member while you're in the midst of everything. You can be on your, your toes and, and ready to engage something. But then you get to go home and sleep without worrying that somebody's coming after you, right? Unless somebody does a drive-by or something. Right, right, right. But in jail, you're surrounded by these people all the time. There's nowhere to go. And so here I am initially thinking about watching everything that's going on, but now I'm reading about a God who's more terrifying than any of these inmates, and I, I just want to go to sleep. And what happened was I'd go to sleep, and I'd be terrified awake because of something I saw in, the, you know, in my dreams. I'm not claiming that they were prophetic dreams. It was just everything reminded me of a holy God now. You a know. sinner in the hands of an angry God. Right, right. There's stories of, uh, if you've heard of Nero's... Uh, guilty conscience because Nero was a wicked man mm-hmm. and we're told that even when the leaves would rustle outside he'd, he'd be frightened right because it just reminded him maybe of uh, judgment coming well that's how I was I was I was frightened and no matter how much I read the Bible I didn't understand the gospel the same gospel if God's grace was in the Bible uh, as was this testimony of God's wrath but I just completely was blind to all this I saw that God was angry with sinners. I couldn't see that he was gracious and merciful. And so what happened, what, what it, it took was for a gospel minister, I finally ran into a person who preached the gospel to me. He talked to me about the, the grace of Christ, God giving his son on, on behalf of sinners. If you turn to him, look to him, you'll live. You'll have life. You'll be forgiven. You'll have communion with God. And when I heard that, it was like fresh water finally, right? After two months, two months, there was a two-month time period where I'm in the jail reading of God's wrath <laughs> and just thinking, that, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? I'm thinking of David in Psalm 139. Where can I flee from your spirit? Where can I go from your presence? Right. Uh, and, and I had nowhere to go until I heard this. And so once I believed, then I immediately wanted to tell other people. But by this time now, I had been convicted. So first I'm in the jail I'm I'm going through court and stuff like that, but but by this time now I'm 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 convicted. I'm in the prison, and I'll end up doing about two and a half years there. I was given a five year sentence for one thing, a year sentence for another. Anyways, the the time that I spent there before getting out on parole was two and a half years. 
But during that time, I was surrounded by adherents of all these different groups, Nation of Islam, Ekinkar, Orthodox Muslims, uh, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, all these groups. And these are the people that I'm encountering and thinking, oh, these, they're just going to be so happy to hear about the, the good news of salvation. And instead, they were quite hostile. And we're talking about prisoners. Most of them uh, you know, were there as a result of vi- being violent offenders. And since these religions can't really change the heart, you know, there was always the possibility that one of these people were going to lash out at me. And I had plenty of it. I could tell stories of close encounters where somebody was about to pound me into the ground or end my life in the prison. And, you know, I'm thankful for all of that. The Lord has never let me be intimidated in any of those circumstances. And, uh, you know, even though I was on the cusp of somebody doing something, I never even had a second thought about stopping what I was saying. I've always just plotted on, and the Lord has always been gracious up to this point. Uh, nobody's killed me yet or anything, but uh, Amen. I'm content if, if someday he says, okay, now it's time. Amen. Amen. Beautiful, brother. Beautiful. And uh, obviously, uh, the Lord is using you in uh, prison ministry out of yeah. all things. You know, it's... Uh, you know, sometimes we don't understand really our background and why did the Lord allow us to go through certain things or even specialize in certain areas. All of a sudden you discover later in ministry that there is a rich, rich knowledge that the Lord has blessed you with so that you mm. can apply it now in a practical way. And it's all about bringing glory to his name. Um, anything else you want to add to your story before we turn to some of the questions maybe or some of the comments? Yeah, well, you've basically uh, caught everything up to speed after I was converted. I had a oh, so I, I do want to circle back to one thing I mentioned. The one thing my mom did in my upbringing was reading the Bible, but there was such uh, that was in my early childhood. All right, so we're talking, you know, four or five, six. I had hadn't read the Bible since then throughout the rest of my upbringing. Never quoted the Bible, never thought about the Bible, nothing. But when I was converted, what was remarkable was I remembered verses from the Bible after being converted. Suddenly, I, and I, I couldn't figure it out, and I kept I, I was telling my mom, you know, I know these passages, but I don't understand how. And then that's when I found out that she used the Bible to teach me how to read. And she said we used to memorize Bible verses. So it was, it was a remarkable thing to me that I could actually know these verses without being able to— I didn't recall them at all prior to my conversion— but after my conversion, they were all brought back to my remembrance. Hmm. And, and to me, that's, that's a wonderful thing. It, it points to the work of the Spirit. Amen. Right? The Spirit's the one who brings those things to our remembrance. And here he's bringing stuff to my remembrance that I hadn't thought of in uh, you know, 13, 14 years or so uh, and didn't even know that I knew. So it was, that was remarkable to me. Um, yep. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, um, Anthony, uh, we have a, uh, a person here that likes attention all the time. His name is Asana. And if we're going to scroll down a little bit, you know, uh, Asana is hung up on the idea that if Jesus says, you know, the hmm. Father is through God, how can Jesus be God, for instance? Why don't you go ahead and respond to our uh, friend, soon to be blocked, by the way. I mean, I'm just <laughs> telling him publicly that he will be blocked. Yeah. So, so you know that I debated this guy on Friday who was a Unitarian? That's uh, right. And, That's right. and one Carlos, of the reasons, uh, Xavier. Yes, yeah. one of the reasons I did that is because not only because I want to reach Unitarians, they don't have a true, the true God, and so they need to be reached, but also because I got tired of Muslims who constantly use arguments from these guys. That's right. right? These guys are not Arians. Arians are the ones who say Jesus was the first creature. That's right. And then God used him to create things. 
you know, of course, that's not true. We, we say that Christ is the eternal God, second person of the Trinity. True. But Socinians or Unitarians, biblical Unitarians, that's how they call themselves, they say that Jesus didn't exist until he was conceived and born. Right. Sound like Islam to me. Right. So they're, they're a lot more like Islam. That's right. and, and this is really important because sometimes Muslims will say just because the Aryans came along in like the fourth century and started challenging Orthodox Christian belief, you know, they like to say these were the true Orthodox people and Christians are the ones who are innovating. But as you just pointed out, the Aryans aren't the ones who are really the parallel to Muslims. Right, they came along in the fourth century. The Christian Church refuted them and and dismissed their their views as heresy, but you don't get this error until the 16th century. This this error of Jesus uh, didn't even exist before his birth, and he didn't come into existence until uh, he was in Mary's womb. Well, one of the favorite arguments of this group is John 17:3. That's the verse where Jesus said, "This is eternal life that they might know you, the, the only, only true God, God and Jesus Christ." Exactly. Exactly, and so, that's what uh, our friend is referring to, of course. Right. Now, here's the mistake. This is what people think they're hearing when they hear that verse. They're, they think they're hearing that the Father alone is the true God. That's right. That's not what the verse says. And that's not what the Greek construct also is all right. about. Yeah. So in, in the passage, Jesus is speaking to the Father. So the first thing to point out to a Muslim is he's not talking to Allah. Right? Right. Allah is not a father, right? That's Jesus right. is talking to his Father in the context. So immediately, Islam's off the table. This isn't Islamic Unitarianism that's that we're right. talking about. But then he goes on to say, this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God. So Jesus does say the Father is the only true God. Now, for the life of me, I don't know why anybody thinks they're refuting Christians with that, because if you ask me if the Father's the only true God, I'm going to say yes. If I ask Al-Fadi if the Father's the only true God, he's going to say yes. Every Christian's going to say yes. The Father is the only true God. But it doesn't say the Father alone is the only true God. That's right. That's, that's the issue. That's of the, where we have the chi, you know, the conjunction here. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's uh, – the, the phrase only is modifying true God. It's not modifying Father. It would be different if it said the Father alone is the true God. But it doesn't. It says the Father is the only true God. The question now is, is the Son also that same true God? Is he one with the Father? Is the Spirit one with the Father and the Son? Right. And, of course, earlier in John's Gospel, John repeatedly, on the lips of Jesus, tells us that Jesus identifies himself as one with the Father, John 10.30. In John 5.17 and 18, Jesus claims to be equal with God. So the equality, the unity, the oneness of Jesus and the Father is already stated in John. So if John, who has already told us from Jesus that, that he is one with the Father, tells us that the Father is the only true God, then it's already understood that Jesus being one with the Father, then is that true God with him? And what does it say just two verses later? In John 17, 3, he refers to the Father as the only true God. In John 17, 5, two verses later, Jesus said, Father, glorify me with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world began. You have to know Asana. Asana doesn't read, you know, uh, uh, beyond what he wants to read. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which, I mean, if we played that game, obviously, we could wreak havoc uh, with right. the Quran. Absolutely. And we don't need to do that, though, right? We we can do everything above board. We can look at the – well, the, the Quran doesn't really have much of a context, I guess. Let's be frank. But we try to pretend like it has one just so we can be fair. That's but, right. That's right. 
Well, I mean, that's that's a good comment. Let, let's scroll down. Let's see uh, if there are others uh, beside uh, our friend who have real questions, actually. Um, let's see if anyone is making any comments also. Um, no. uh, we see uh, Zuo saying, if so, why do you think Jesus is the judge and the father? Pastor? Okay, so she's... Uh, she's responding back to mm. uh, uh, to our friend here, basically. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any questions, uh, basically. There is only one Savior. That's true. Uh, God is the Savior, of course. Um, okay, well, um, uh, brother, what else um, uh, can we leave our friends here, believers, in terms of understanding the Trinity, that it is not in vacuum, in isolation, in the New Testament, rather, it's uh, the Bible in context. Yeah, so... Uh, and so the divinity of Christ, of course, is part of that. Yeah. Um, well, we, we focused on the Trinity in our, our series, so they'll get that. And we've said some things along those lines at the beginning of this interview. So one thing we could add that I think would go together with that nicely is the emphasis that the Old Testament puts on the deity of the coming Messiah. The, I mean, it's rich and full when it comes to this. It's it's striking uh, to even hear somebody say that Jesus is not God and then pretend that this is consistent with uh, the Bible. I mean, it's just uh, it's not just a New Testament thing. It's A lot of times people will say it's not in the Old Testament, therefore it can't be in the New. But the New Testament is pretty rich when it comes to this. Just just enumerating a few things in the few minutes we have left. Isaiah 7.14 calls the coming child Emmanuel. That means God with us. Some people like to say, well, there are other people in Israel whose names refer to God. So maybe this doesn't mean the child is going to be God. But uh, when you look at that section of Isaiah, it's talking about a person who's actually going to be named Emmanuel. And in the next chapter, it says that Israel, he is the owner of the land of Israel. Emmanuel is the one who owns the land. Right. And so obviously this name must mean more than just that's just what we're calling him. It has to point to something that accounts for why he would be spoken of as the owner of the land. Then in chapter 9, the same one is given a series of names, right? In 9.6, it says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his Amen. name shall be called Wonderful, a term used only for God, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Again, a series of divine titles. That's right. Messiah is also called God later in Isaiah in chapter 40, verses 3 and so forth. That whole context, really, it talks about somebody preparing the way, a voice crying out in the wilderness, and he's saying, prepare in the desert a highway for our God. In that context, the coming one is referred to as both Yahweh and Eloheinu, our God. In Jeremiah 23, 6, he's called Jehovah, our righteousness, or Yahweh, our righteousness. In Psalm 110, he's said to be at Yahweh's right hand, and David refers to him as Lord. In verse 5, he refers to him as Adonai, which is exclusively used for God. Uh, in Malachi 3.1, he's referred to as Ha-Adon. That's the definite article preceding the word Lord, the Lord. It, right. It's very pointed in Hebrew, meaning there, there's no other way to take it. He, he's saying this is the Lord who's coming, right? And he's going to come to his temple. He's, he's the messenger of the covenant. So over and over again throughout the Old Testament, it speaks of the deity of the Messiah, Micah 5.2, where it says that uh, the one that's going to be born in Bethlehem, his goings forth are from of old, from the days of eternity. That's right. That's uh, right. You know, just on and on. Zechariah 12.10, a favorite text. They'll look yep. upon me whom they have pierced. That's God talking in the, in the context. Amen. Amen. 
Well, you know, brother, uh, we're wrapping up the radio section here. And, uh, you know, of course, if you uh, just tuned in, you're listening to Let Us Reason. Uh, I'm your host, Al Fadi. And with me here in the studio, our dear brother, Anthony Rogers, who shared his uh, journey to Christ uh, in this episode. Hopefully, we'll have you again uh, to talk about more topics, including, you know, this video series that we just recently did together on the Doctrine of the Trinity from the Old Testament. And obviously, I cannot really uh, stress to you how much I appreciate your prayers, your support, your partnership. You can go to our YouTube channel, as always, and subscribe to it. It's CIRA International. That's C as in Charlie, C-I-R-A International. And our website, of course, CIRAinternational.com. If you subscribe uh, uh, to the uh, YouTube channel, be sure you like our videos. Be sure also you click on the bell so that you can receive notifications of future releases. We try our best to release uh, normally an average of one video a week. Uh, Our backlog is growing by the grace of God. Thank you, of course, for your partnership with us. And we encourage you to become a Patreon patron as well. And uh, uh, your giving uh, towards the videos have been enriching in terms of helping us uh, be able to produce more and more of these videos. And we'll be talking more about that, of course. Uh, So once again, thank you so much for joining us on Let Us Reason. And thank you, uh, our dear brother, Anthony. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.